Hey, y'all. Welcome to All About the Pod podcast with the University of Georgia Peanut Team. I am Macy Wheeler, your host, bringing you real-time updates from our scientists, extension specialists, extension agents, growers, graduate students, and everyone in between. Well, we're back again. This is episode... 54? 54. I was thinking 44, but it was 54. Uh, as, you know, I can't count on my hands anymore. Uh, of all about the pod, we're glad you're back. We're glad to uh, bring you... This is going to be the last podcast for the year. We've been kind of saying we're going to do that last couple of times, but we, we've had more and more little stuff that's come up. But I do need to take a break so we can get things kind of worked out for next year and um so this will be the last podcast until we get to about mid-january and then we'll start back up um and and kind of go from there and we may end up trying to figure out how to do some on the road we got because if you don't realize um and before i get going what we got here today or who we got here today is dr mark abney dr eric prosco and then the esteemed dr smith Nathan Smith. Everybody remembers Dr. Nathan Smith from here in Georgia. Does everybody, everybody see? Yeah, yeah. They were laughing though. What was they? What were they laughing about? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, see, Eric wanted to do that. I don't know if they were laughing at the fact that he's at, he's back in Clemson now instead of here, or you know, at the fact that he did such great stuff for us. Everybody was just happy for it. Well, most people don't know that we have a studio audience when we do the podcast, and they normally are really quiet. But apparently, they couldn't. They couldn't handle they couldn't it. Couldn't handle time. it. You know, when they we, found out Nathan was on the line. We spend a half hour signing autographs afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Only if you could see. Only if you can see. But but no, what I was um and my train of thought then went went out that quick. It's gone. Um but no, what I was talking about, we may end up doing some um on the road shows as we get into the first of the year because if you don't know, um check with the county agents. We're gonna be doing crop production meetings and weed meetings and disease meetings um, starting January the 4th. I think that's our first one. I think so. And we'll go until March the 8th. And we got 18 or 19 of those things, uh, at least on the crop production. I think you got what, Eric? Another total weed meetings? Yeah. About 36. About 36. And then Bob's got a few. Uh, Abney, you got a, any by yourself or is it just with me and you? I don't have any by myself, but it's there's more than nineteen. There's like twenty, almost that you're thirty. On there, that almost you're on 30, there with yeah. us, yeah. And so, um, you know, everybody else are loners. Me and Mark tend to be, you know, we gravitate and do things as a group. So we try to be a team. We try to be a team. That's right. I don't know what about the rest of them. They don't want to be a team. I'll, I'll be with you one on a couple of meetings. On a couple. All yeah. right. Well, we could even get Nathan to come across the river uh, and and help us out a couple of times just because he can, right? He might yeah, have to get special right. permission. Yeah, they do check the border sometimes. <laughs> Where? <laughs> oh, man. man. Oh, that would be great. So, Nathan, tell us, uh, what are you doing now? I know you're at Clemson, and we know what you're – I mean, we know kind of what you're doing, but for the audience, what, what are you doing right now? Okay. Uh, well, I, when I – started at Clemson it was basically to do pretty much the same thing I was doing at Georgia but uh, expand expand a little bit beyond just row crops um, but mostly what I'm doing now is peanuts and cotton and um, 
I do work a lot with peaches from time to time. Uh, and I was, uh, we have, we do teens, program teens in, at Clemson for extension as far as our agents and associates and specialists. And uh, when I came to Clemson, they were, they wanted to build a new team, an agribusiness team. And so I was one of the first ones on the agribusiness team as far as specialists goes and, and then became the program team director. So I did that for the past seven, eight years. And now uh, I'm back to doing mainly extension and and working also with the Center for Ag Technology. Uh, Dr. Kendall Kurt is director with that and he and I'm an assistant director for that center. And so we're looking at te technology uh, in agriculture and trying to uh, bring different projects uh, to fruition and working with industry on on that side. Okay. Well, good. Well, I know we miss you being here. Um, you know, we, we put a lot on Amanda Smith now, which is not your cousin or, or anything related to you, right? <laughs> That's right. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're yeah. But I, I some funny stories about about meetings going around where a lot of folks thought we were married for a while, <laughs> <laughs> just because of the last name. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm glad it's just because of the last name. But the um, I had to clarify that. Yeah. yeah, and you are married, but to other people. Well, the other yeah. person, other people, other person, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah my wife, they both are. <laughs> <laughs> we better get to some content here we're gonna lose our listeners <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna lose them all right um <laughs> we just like to mess with each other but um so nathan you know we're coming out of kind of a rough year i know it has been for georgia i'm not so sure about south carolina compared to what we went through um but we're down not only are we you know down as a state the state average i think we're sitting at right at 38 60 something pounds per acre that's probably going to go up a little bit more but not much more um and then we were a full point uh, 1.1 1.2 points down in grade and that does not sound much until i put a number to it the other day you know, across, and that's an average across all 769,000 acres. 1.2, 1.3 equates a little over $7 million in loss. And that's just from grade, not counting the, you know, like I said, we were going to be at 38. That's a couple of hundred pounds off the state average. But for some people, it equated for about 1,500 pounds. Now, did you see the same thing in Georgia and as far as being looped back into the industry, what is that doing as far as what you're hearing as far as price uh, support for the growers right now? Are the growers signing contracts? You know, what what are where are we and what are we when it comes to the economic side of things? Yeah, so um, that obviously the situation in Georgia and, and the Southeast um, it brought the overall production down in peanuts um, so that we're looking at about three million ton crop in South Carolina uh, actually we I think we had a little better year uh, than Georgia I guess we're fortunate on some timely rains here and there um, actually South Carolina's I think the last figure was 4100 pounds so that's pretty uh, good 
one, one of those rare years where South Carolina is going to be higher than Georgia in terms of uh, our yield in, in the state on about 73,000 harvested acres. And so, but uh, similar, similar deal, I think, in terms of grades, maybe a little bit off. Uh, not sure if they're off as much as, as Georgia, but um, so yeah, the impact of that overall is the market, you know, is well, three million tons uh, is looks like a, a good number. Um, that's creates some, some concerns about, you know, how much quality, uh, what, what's the overall quality and how, how many quality peanuts for the edible market, you know, is, is out there. So um, that's tended to hold prices up for peanuts, uh, especially, I think, going into 2024. Uh, we're basically going in, it looks like right now, into 2024 with similar position as 2023. That's what I was, was going to ask. Supply that, and demand. Yes, I yeah. mean, we're in a situation where even though we dropped off in tons, it really didn't, uh, it, it kind of helps us because it sustains the price at where it's at. It didn't drop mm-hmm. a price, um, and but we're not. I don't know. We're probably not going to see that huge jump in price like people would love to see. I mean, is that what you think? Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, I guess. Unfortunately, for peanut producer side, while there may be a little bit more upside potential in peanuts, cotton and and corn are probably going to hold it hold it down or from going up too much right now in terms of uh, peanut prices. Um, you know, cotton's putting in a, put in a low a couple, uh, couple of weeks ago for the year. And, and it's, the picture is not, not as good for cotton. Um, and, and it's not the production side, it's the, it's the demand side that's, that's hurting cotton. So I know this is a peanut show, but most peanut growers around here grow cotton too. So I'm curious about that. So what's what's the the what's behind the decrease in demand for cotton? Economy, global economy, U.S. economy. Um, You know, inflation has reduced uh, everyone's disposable income. You know, uh, you know, folks have spent up their reserves and savings and debt. When you look at credit card debt, uh, it's back up to levels it was before COVID uh, and, and higher in some cases. And But you would think um, that um, with the petroleum prices still up like they have been, that that would be fighting against you as far as, you know, the synthetic stuff. Well, it doesn't sound like it's a, it's not the competition with other materials, right? It's just people are buying fewer... Yeah, I guess they're buying fewer. They're making their underwear last longer. I suppose. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're a little holy. Huh? The same pro- they're, they have the same problem. It's overall demand, yeah. not, not just the substitution between synthetics and cotton. Okay. What about corn? Um, I heard a few people saying that soybeans actually may may take some acres here or there. Is that true? Yeah, I think so I think in South Carolina in particular, you know, soybeans compete probably more for acres than with peanuts than certainly Georgia. Um, so uh, soybeans 
uh, certainly could, um, could do that. I, I really think peanut acres will, will hold on. Um, maybe even could increase because of cotton acres. Yeah, um, I mean, but, and that's kind of where we're at a little bit, except for these yeah. areas just west of us. They are continuing to, to remain down. Uh, because of the southern corn rootworm. Now, if it wasn't for that, I think we would go back up uh, even more than what we got now. But I don't, you know, we got a lot of people out there that said that peanuts didn't do good. They're they're not going to do it. You know, it's just they do that every year. They go back and forth with the different crops. But, you know, the soybean thing, we do hear that from time to time about that taking some potential acres. I just hope the growers realize that we got to still manage that rotation at least to a point where we don't get ourselves in trouble uh, because they do, soybeans do cause, or not cause, they do have some of the same disease issues as well as nematode issues. And so we've got to watch that if we put that in rotation, we got to still have two years between that crop and the following peanut crop. Um, hopefully it's not back to back. And if you're going to do peanuts and soybeans back to back, you want the soybeans after peanut, not before. It seems like, based on all the work I've seen, that if you put soybeans ahead of peanut, peanut suffers. Uh, why that is, I'm not sure. Um, disease is probably a big part of it, um, but I know that um, that's been that's been discussed and been talked about quite a bit. So, um, if you are thinking about that, hey, reach out to your agent. Let's talk about it. If you got a if you got a concern, if you don't have a concern, do what you got to do. Yeah, I was just looking online. Because uh, I had somebody, a grower, tell me that the other day. They were thinking about growing more beans. And right now in Georgia, you can probably get somewhere between 1213 and 1248 a bushel. And some of these newer varieties are, you know, we're doing a better job growing. I think people that are going to grow beans are, I mean, remember everybody used to tease them, call them poverty peas. Yeah. And some mm-hmm. people still do. Um, but if you manage them right, you can make some pretty good yields and, yeah. and make some reasonable money. Now, now, uh, Nathan, since you're with us, um, would you think soybeans is in the same category as corn? If you're really going to make money, you need on-farm storage. Is that the same way for soybeans, or do we get the good price no matter when we take a soybean to market? Um, one, I guess soybeans is just like corn in that it's a, we are a deficit states and that in other words we utilize more than we actually produce uh and we export out of the i, I know particularly out of charleston we export a lot of a lot of soybeans that come from other states go through the port there or, or come out of georgia and south carolina so um you know storage wise uh i think corn's number one in terms of being stored uh but that it can help on the same market dynamics that impact corn price later in the year. Well, it will generally be the same for soybeans. Uh, but we do have processors in both states that helps on that that side too, in terms of having the market for soybeans. Is a lot of that going to the chicken group, or what is that? Or yeah, chicken, chickens and hogs, and, and so as far as feed goes. 
I got you. I got you. Now I know. However, wheat is one that is not. Uh, we're having problems finding a place for that to go. Um, we I know a lot of growers would still like to grow wheat, and we still have a group that does in especially west of here, um, and seem to do a real good job with it. But they always talk about it's hard to get rid of it, um, or hard to find a place for it to I, go. We had an agent training two days ago. And uh, mo- a lot of the agents there were saying how, you know, there's nowhere to take wheat anymore in Georgia. A lot of the mills have closed down or whatever. So there's some yeah. issues going on with where you would take your grain, wheat grain in Georgia. I wasn't aware of that. Well, I knew That's I knew it. the one in Macon had closed down mm-hmm. or just south of Macon, wherever it was at. That was the Lily Factory or something. I can't remember which one it was, but I remembered it closed down. Uh, why? I don't mm-hmm. know, and it and it might have been the fact that they were having a hard time filling the the amount of volume that they needed to run through there from the from the southeast. Uh, but I'm not sure. Do you know anything about that, Nathan? I don't know specifically. I know when I was there uh, there in, in South Georgia, uh, there was three main mills in in Georgia that that purchased wheat, and seems like one bought the other before I left, and. Uh, you know, I don't know about since then, but uh, South Carolina growers had the same same problem. Uh, basically, have one meal here, and and that's that's the issue. You can sell wheat, but you you can't sell it for the price that's on the board at futures, uh, or the price that looks like you can get when you're watching the futures price because of the limited markets uh, that we have, and it also Wheat price is is driven a lot by the global market, right? And, and back when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, we saw wheat prices, you know, shoot way up because that's a bit of Ukraine and that whole area is a big uh, wheat producer. Actually, and, it's the largest producer, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that Black Sea region is is probably the biggest, or in, in Ukraine uh, probably is. But you know, we had farmers trying to get that price, and you just couldn't get it here in the southeast. And part of it is the type of wheat we grow too, red winter wheat, uh, so it's not as um, desirable. Uh, or in the market compared to the hard or right. the hard wheats. So soft wheat, winter wheat is <clears throat> sometimes we we take advantage of shortages somewhere else in the world or in the U.S. Um, and and they'll come and buy wheat from us. But we're typically a residual supplier of wheat to the world. Uh, they buy cheaper wheat other places. Uh, so. I'm amazed. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed. Even the other one we had, this real low acres, is sorghum, and that's one that mainly the market is bird plantations, right? That's the one I know around yeah. here. I mean, you know, I, as you guys know, I do work on sorghum, and um, most of the people that I talk to, or or there's a couple of big growers that they're basically growing for plantations. Yeah, I mean that's finding a niche for something. 
I just, you know, and wheat's a good rotation for us. I mean, it is in some of the areas and, and traditionally in the heavier soils, they do phenomenal with wheat. Uh, so you hate to see something that has a viable option for us disappear. Um, so maybe, maybe something will come down the road for that. I mean, maybe that's something, one of those things that the state needs to figure out how to, how to um, incentivize one of these it's kind of flour sad, mills sad to come back. Think about it, right? A wheat industry just disappearing because I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I mean, if I can't, if I don't have anywhere to take my wheat, why am I going to grow wheat? And if I got to pay you know so much extra to get it to where it needs to go, it's not worth it. Right. Right. I mean, there's interest in double cropping soybeans and wheat. Yeah. And I think yeah. you'd see see it increase if we had better market. And markets. that that. Uh, that is pretty profitable, right? I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about huge money, but I mean that's decently profitable. Profitable as a rotation. Yeah, it's just the issue is the marketing is. Um, if you, if prices, you know, tend to seasonality, anyways, you know, would be lower at harvest, and if you, if prices are low at harvest, and you do have storage. Um, it's just harder to store, and folks tend to like to clean it out, have it cleared cleared out for for corn, yeah, or soybeans. Yeah, the um, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe somewhere along the lines, this this whole effort of carbon credit, maybe that's where we need to come back and bring maybe tie that together with wheat somehow, besides the cover crop, because that is that is a, another avenue for. Cash flow, and some of these guys do need cash flow, so it uh, definitely definitely uh, will help us rather than hurt us. So, um, you think the um, acres in South Carolina, Georgia, Southeast will stay about where we were at? You think? Is that what you mean? I, I couldn't remember. I, yeah, it, it's uh, basically. Yeah, if you're trying to pin me down right now, yeah, I think I don't see acres <laughs> decreasing. <laughs> it's going to be your fault if it goes one way or the other, Nathan. Yeah, yeah that's so be right. good. Be wouldn't correct. be correct. Well, they've gotten on me. They've gotten on me pretty hard lately. So, you know, even though most of what I say is pretty close, at least lately, I'm gonna have a bad year, and it's gonna be way off. But you know, it is all just you know what we have a gut feeling for because of what's around us and what's going on. So it's definitely not actual numbers and so you have to uh, you know you got to realize we got 3,000 growers trying to figure out what 3,000 growers are doing in the state of Georgia is kind of difficult there's probably there's not one of them that does the same thing really. no, no not at all well Nathan Amanda sent out the uh, crop budgets a couple of weeks ago and I was looking at them and there's there's not much black at the bottom in Georgia yeah. when you look across the lines it I mean I think there I only I think there's only one crop based on the numbers that were in there that wasn't in the red. What was it? I think it was corn. Um, Irrigated corn, I think. Um, So is that what yours looks like in South Carolina as well? And then what do you – I mean, I know you can't – it's hard to give advice to people, but from from the economy side of it, is there there something people need to be thinking about ways to handle this? Because, I mean, I don't know how – obviously farmers – they know a lot about their business that I don't know, but when I look at those numbers, I'm like, how do you, how do you stay in business when everything's red? Yeah. Um, when you look at the total return, uh, 
or the net return to total cost. Uh, it's with the with the higher input prices that we had over over the last two three years, and um, that the higher commodity prices have helped offset that some. Um, but using our using those expected yields that that are in the budgets, uh, and typically in a market where like like we have right now then the bottom line is going to kind of look red um, just because of where cost hadn't come down as much as uh, output prices have mm-hmm. uh, or, the, or the price for the, for the commodity. And so, you know, it's, it's looking for pricing opportunities and, and just following uh, recommendations to try to minimize your costs. Uh, each year the, the good thing is i guess compared to this time last year at least when i look at south carolina prices that overall fertilizer is is down uh from last year um but the rest of them they're still above where they were from when prices took off so yeah what's the uh, what's the story on diesel that is the most irritating thing. If you ever, if you was a grower, if you're a person that has a diesel-driven truck. If you're Mumford and has a, have a diesel that's truck. That's right. You're right. <laughs> that's the most irritating thing in the world because yeah. gas yeah. is a dollar different, and we used to be a dollar mm-hmm. the other way, and they keep saying it's this, this, or this. I mean, you would think it would even out by now. Yeah. You know, it's – this is – in. in and I guess my my answer is it's hard to tell or it's hard to know, but how much of it is just market driven where they can the demand is for diesel is is strong so they can keep it that that uh, that spread between diesel and gas. Um, yeah, you know what's it seems, bad. It seems to, Go ahead. I'm sorry. It seems yeah. It seems that um, the market. Uh, well, I lost my train of thought there, but the the diesel when I'm I'm watching diesel more closely because I drive a diesel now. But uh, that's right, man. You got the same kind and, of truck. I forgot about that. Yeah, and so it was like thirty cents uh, premium for diesel over gas now. But part of it is when the, uh, Ukraine uh, the, and and Russia when the invasion started in uh, the <clears throat> that. That kind of disrupted the market, and particularly for diesel, because they were bringing in uh, the type of crude that they used for diesel. They were importing a lot of it. Some of that was coming from Russia, and that's not there anymore. And um, there's, a, I think they had an issue where one of the um, uh, one of the diesel plants was down for a little while too in the U.S. And you know, just a, a five. Or ten percent change in production really impacts the price, and so um, that's not a great explanation of what's going on. But it, the things, that, the factors that are impacting diesel prices, which are mainly uh, the cost of, of crude and availability of of, of crude oil, um, because apparently the refineries are different between gas and diesel. Uh, right. So, 
Well, see, I would have never knew there were two different types of crude. I would have figured it would have been the same. See, that's just I'm not in that 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 area, so I wouldn't know. But yeah, so you know, diesel started coming down closer to to gas, uh, but then it's back up to that that dollar difference, at least on the for highway diesel. That's right. I know that's killing growers right now, though. I mean, because it's it's way up there, way up there <clears throat> for certain. But well, no, I just like I said, we just wanted to get kind of a an idea from you. I mean, I know I have a lot of people that that keep asking about where we, you know, where things are going and how things look. I got a question yeah. for Nathan, if I could, Nathan. A couple week, couple of podcasts ago, we were talking about the EU, right? And I was just curious on your take about how the EU affects peanut price and production practices, perhaps when something gets banned in the U in the EU and trickles, maybe trickles down to the U S. Yeah. Good question. So I guess from a peanuts, it makes you feel better, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes you feel good. She can ask a good (laughs) question every once in a while. No, there is no such, there's, that's, somebody once told me there's no you shouldn't say that's a good question because aren't all questions yeah. good? No, yeah. really they're not. They're actually, some out. of them are dumb as dirt. <laughs> yeah, but there's somebody might not know. They're still, they should know. Some <laughs> things you should know and you shouldn't. Now have you to might ask. could say the other thing. The only stupid question you could ever hey. ask is not asking it, right? Uh, you know, I, I'm probably going to get in trouble to say this, but we're all not equal in mental capacity, so. I have no comment. Nathan, what, what were you saying? <laughs> After you told him it was a good question and he got really excited about that. Head, what, what was the question? swelled just yeah. a little bit. I don't even remember the question. I asked him about I was just curious about he would kind of yeah. make some comments yeah. about the EU because a few yeah. weeks ago we were talking about That's right. pesticide cancel, cancellations there and how they influence the market. And, and it seems like they, they carry a big stick. Uh, in decisions that are made uh, from like uh, shellers and the processors and stuff. Yeah, so good question. Sometimes, me, I'm I'm stalling to 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 think through the question, or it means he's he's googling that, it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a good subject area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the EU and related to peanuts. Uh, so South America or Argentina. And, and maybe Brazil some too. That's their main market. And sometimes those things that the EU does is um, to keep the market. Um, it's a it's a it's a trade barrier in, in some instances to try to uh, to keep uh, purchasing from from South America, where U.S. may be as cheap. Or, or cheaper, um, so it increases the cost. But yeah, it can affect the market. And for for U.S. peanuts, we still uh, export to to the EU, but we our number one export markets are Canada and Mexico. And so, but it'll affect the Virginia market because that's mostly what is exported. To where the would, EU. that was where yeah. it come up? That's the where the question come up. So I did not know that. So fa- I want to let's talk more about you, that. You, yeah, you brought that up. I think last time because it was, it was something about it was something about the pesticides used. Uh, oh, I think it was on tubs. the peanuts that went to the EU, and we were trying to figure out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what, I wasn't there when y'all had that okay. discussion. So, so I think it was Tubbs and said, 
Well, if the peanuts from, <clears throat> if, if our peanuts aren't going to the EU, then why should why we be, should we uh, be uh, held to uh, any restrictions that might be, if that was the case? Right. And we were, it's not right now, but if that was. Because we were thinking it might have been in shelled going over there. So, mm-hmm. yep. So, what percentage? Well, they, what, go ahead, Nathan. I, I want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Well, I think in the EU, it's generally because peanuts uh, are, I, I guess, the exports from the US to the EU. Um, the biggest uh, demand seasonality is during the holidays, you know, right now. Uh, they, so it's for the snack peanuts or the, or the uh, candy or confectionery. It's really where the demand is. So um, that's where uh, we're impacted the most in terms of exports on, on peanuts to the EU. Um, and Africa is also a... Uh, uh, an exporter into the into the EU, but they're they're more Spanish type peanuts. Unless what, things have changed recently. What's the country in Africa? I mean, I know there's several, but what is the main one? Senegal, uh, uh, Malawi, Mali. Uh, there's some others. I got That's you. Just off the top of my head, yeah. I got you. Well, I mean, there's a lot of questions around that about how much do we need to just be run over by the EU, you know, when we're trying to make a crop that that has a lot of red in the budget, you know, and and trying to squeak out a little bit of profit. And then you get thrown a curveball by saying, hey, well, you can't use this product. And that increases my bottom line by 5% because I had to choose some other products that were more expensive or something. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's a hard, that's a hard one to work with. What was your, in, in the bigger picture, um, the EU is, has a lot more regulations and, um, you know, pushing consumers are, are demanding more or, or their preferences for, more organic type uh, foods and, and banning of certain chemicals and pesticides, like you said. Um, so they're kind of a uh, a signal as to where things could go too in terms from the consumer side. Okay. I got an, I got a totally another. Since we got Nathan, I'm going to put you on the spot again. If, as an economist, right, and you were extension economist for a long time, what's the one thing you would tell growers? If you could only tell growers one thing about how to make money on peanuts, what would you tell them? Um, one thing. Just That's it. What's the, well, what's the it's number hard. one? If, if there, if <laughs> if there's a number one thing they should do or do do or no. What would that be? No, what I would say. I'd be curious. Well, let's see what Nathan says. Yeah. You didn't know no, you were going. No, you no. didn't know you were going through a PhD yeah. defense here, did you? <laughs> okay. Well, no, no, no. Honestly, honestly, I was going back and forth when you asked that question because peanuts is a yield game, really. You know, you're doing. You're trying to 
you get rewarded or you get paid on the yield. Um, but know your numbers. That's for your management decisions, for marketing decisions, for enterprise, what you're going to grow, you know, what your enterprise mix. Uh, best job you can do to know your numbers. Uh, I think that's what I see folks that that uh, are successful or do that do do well and whether it's peanuts or any of the other crops. And when I say know your numbers, I'm talking about cost, cost of production. Cost of production. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not just at the beginning, but all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you, Mark said he was going to say something. Yeah, I, I would say get the peanut production guide from the extension service in your state and use it. That would be, yeah. and that would have the economy, that would have your advice in it. It would have Mumford's advice and it would have Abney's and probably all of it would be there. And it, the number one thing I would say is, is go buy the book. Mm-hmm. I had a, I'd still have a friend in North Carolina who said that, um, when he was younger, his friends called him the book farmer because he did everything. It was, this was in North Carolina, but he, he followed NC State extension recommendations and they, they teased him about it until he kicked their butt year mm-hmm. after year after year. Mm-hmm. And then they all sort of, they, did, they never admitted that they were going by the book, but that's, he used, if, if extension didn't recommend it, he didn't do it. Now that's what I would do if I was farming is I'd right. go by extension recommendation. And I, and I know we depend on, everybody in this in this agricultural world to make it all work but you got to be willing to at least ask a second opinion mm-hmm. you know and so if you're getting stuff getting recommendations from whoever hopefully it is from the extension guide but you are to you know if you're getting them from your dealers or your whoever it might be you you know call your extension agent and just ask ask him to clarify it that is nothing wrong with that there's a lot of people out there with really good intentions that want to help you that are confused about the facts and we may be wrong but we base it on what we say on data and it's the best information that there is because we have no other skin in the game right so when i give a recommendation it might be that my recommendation is not a hundred percent the best but it's the, the reason it's not is because we don't have the answer and nobody else knows the answer either but there are people out there, there are questions for which there are correct answers, and there are people who don't know the correct answer who's willing to give you an answer, and they don't know the right answer. So that's why I say, it's like, yeah, like you said, if someone other than Extension was giving me advice, I'd be happy to take it. Right. But I would run it by Extension and make sure it jived with what Extension was saying, too. Well, I mean, case in point, I mean, we're, things change, and sometimes they change pretty quickly. Um they could this, change in a season with, within a season. Yeah, that's right, and and they did this year. If you think about it, you know we've we've done all this. I'd give you for for example, you know we we depend a lot on the maturity boards, and we had a lot of people that were putting stuff on the maturity boards that hey they look ready to go, and it wasn't until it was about a we got a week into it that I I noticed along with other people noticed that we were just not getting there you know, maturity wise. And so we extended that. We said, whatever it says, add Mm -hmm. 10 to 14, 20 days onto it, that it was going to take longer. And we had a lot of people that, no, no, they're ready. We got to get them now. And we lost a lot of yield and, and all that. And, and again, we just figured that out on the fly. Um, And so a lot of times we will alter things, but when we do, we try to get that information out and, 
So if you've got somebody that's telling you something and you hear stuff like that, well, go back and ask your extension guy to follow up with us and make sure that's what we're saying. Because we will answer the phone call. I guarantee that. And if we don't know, that is another potential opportunity to gather more information based on science. Right. And not whatever. That's correct. And uh, we do that every year on certain things. mm -hmm. We've got to continue to learn this this year was definitely one of those for the record books because it well, was different can I, I, I since we're talking about that i'll tell you a funny story if i if i mean it's it's relevant mark so we're still on topic okay oh, right, marks are get off topic police get policeman well hell but, he's the one that gets <laughs> off topic most of the time so it's all right so this i won't say the county but this year i got called out somebody called and said i sprayed um clethodim on some grass and it didn't work what do you think happened and i said well you got to tell me more information you know I, I i'm not there right i couldn't <laughs> see it at the time what do you think happened yeah. there's a million things that could have happened and they told me and i said well i'll come over and take a look and we'll talk about it and when i went over there i took my sprayer with me and i i winded up spraying and killed it all right and the grower said he, he said what kind of voodoo are you using and i said science <laughs> voodoo you sprayed it with a backpack yeah i sprayed it at three and a half miles an hour with 15 <laughs> gallons, gallons of water, water. <laughs> and i i measure to the milliliter and to the one one hundredth of a gram if it's a dry right so uh my nozzle was appropriate for the you know there's a million things that can go wrong in an application and but it's you know, we make recommendations based off a lot of work. We're not just throwing them out there uh, and telling you to use a product before we've tested it. Another example, Brake came out this year, 2023, it was released. You know, I had been looking at that since 2013. A while. A long time. And I'm still working on some things that I don't feel we've got answered right. So it's been 10 years and I'm still tweaking it. And I'm sure you know you guys mm-hmm. are working on different products as well. Yeah. So we're always tweaking it, always trying to make sure we're giving the grower the best science-based information that's available to us. And we might change it in a year right, when we do more work, but it's all coming from a lot of hours in the field looking at stuff. Yep. No, it's no doubt. I mean, I saw that with, like I said, the growth regulator this year when when it's time to put it out. And if we're 95 degrees and not any rain out there, it, it probably doesn't need to go out. You know, I mean, we're so we're going to adjust some things on that a little bit. Um, and I'm still working on that. But problem is those kind of things don't happen all the time. And so it's hard to get enough data to, to firmly say this is what's going to happen. But I have a pretty good idea after this past year that <laughs> – you know, we put it out in stressful events. It's just going to stress it even more, so, and that's, that's not going to help us. So with two other signs, and I guess Nathan is still with us. Nathan still with us? I'm here. Oh, yes, I'm here. I'm just curious uh, with uh, with everybody, you know, how comfortable, when, when do you get at a comfort level in your own mind, in your own program, about you've got a reasonable amount of data to support a recommendation? What's your What's your benchmark? I don't know if I have a benchmark and mm-hmm. I, I don't know for a lot of the stuff I do that I'm, it takes a long time for me to be really comfortable. And we've, I think we've talked about this on the podcast mm-hmm. before that when, you know, Philip Roberts is working on cotton, 
and we'll he'll go to a meeting and there'll be 15 or god knows maybe more than that other southeastern cotton entomologists who all have this they're all looking at the same pest with the same right. product and in one year they can generate more data than i can generate in right. several years over multiple environments because it's just like i could do five years of data and we had these five environments and then the next year something's completely different it's either really wet or really dry or really hot or whatever and it doesn't work the same and you you know they get answers really Quickly. big data sets in a couple of years and they for me i'm still i still have questions about the way we kill lesser corn stalk borer with a product that I, that i've been working with since 2014 mm -hmm. right i'm still trying to tweak and think and pl apply it in different environments because every year is different and that'll be if it, it gets, just keeps going it'll be Maybe next year, right? You keep you, maybe twenty twenty four. You'll get that label. This is something different. I'm oh, just saying no, for lesser corn stalk right. borer. Like we we've got a recommendation. I know this stuff works, but I'm always putting out trials with it in different, trying to see how it right. works. And but 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 for the rootworm, which you've been working on product that product, the new product for several years now, and yeah, maybe we can get it mm -hmm. for use by twenty twenty five. But but yet yeah, definitely, I'm, I'm nowhere near like comfortable i know that it that product that works on rootworm i know that it has good efficacy but there's lots of questions we still have about that right yep. so well part of it all that is is that there were so many you know we look at things and we try to control the environment in which we do things the soil type da, 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 you know to make sure we're looking at that product you get it on farm in over however many acres that we have in georgia it's going to be different mm -hmm. and things are not going to be the same. And so I don't know how a lot of this stuff works in a hundred percent. And then you start to add up tank mixes, tank mixes and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't tank mix. Right. And everybody else does. So in the real That's world, right. everything's tank mixed and I don't tank mix anything. And so there's a million questions that I'll never answer. I think you could spend your whole career yeah. working, uh, me included. Yeah. Cause I, I do a lot of tank mix mm -hmm. stuff. I could, I could, I, well, I'm, you know, 30 years of doing this now or more, I could never answer all those questions yep. that, yeah. that, that come up. The, the infinite, the uh, infinite, or I'm looking at the, you know, the, the large amount of uh, tank mixes, for example, that are out there, we could never adequately test under every environment. So Poss Nathan, impossible. that's, that's probably the same way with you, correct? With budgets and all that. I mean, we set a, we, we give one budget with one yield you know, but we don't really throw what that whole farm's yield in. They don't know the quality of it. We don't know what he's getting in subsidies. We don't know what other crop. You know, you don't. You don't look. You're not looking at a budget as a farm, right? Yeah. So yeah, when we're looking at the enterprise budgets, we're just a snapshot of of that crop or that commodity. And while we make assumptions behind the the machinery and equipment and all that, um. You know, the whole farm situation, as far as the financial whole farm budget, um, that's something we we try to incorporate a little bit more. You know, so, like, we've been adding some financial measures, Scott Mickey, with uh, a colleague of mine here at Clemson. We started putting in the a ratio of looking on basically what your operating profit margin is. Mm. Uh, with with a target of uh, you know forty percent, and right now with where prices are, you, we just peanuts is the closest in trying to maximize your operating profit margin. But uh, but yeah, you know it, we're dealing with risk, 
and, and a budget is uh, at least the numbers that we put out are static. And I want to have at least 10 years of yields and prices or, and more the better to have confidence in kind of what the, the risk is, you know, what the range, the variability in yields and prices and so, stuff like that. But, what do you think the growers are doing um, when you're talking about a budget? They're not keeping track of every dollar, every cent, every month and building that budget as they go forward and say, oops, I'm about to run out of money. Uh, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, they know when they're running out of money, but I'm talking about they don't they don't keep track of it on a dollar per acre basis 100% all the way through to see where we're at, do we? I mean, would you, would the majority, you think? The majority don't, no. Um, you know they could, they will go back at the end of the season, yeah, and and run their budgets and and that's why that's why we're very very year. we're very very you know much trying to caution growers that all of these products that we don't recommend that are only two to three four five dollars an acre but you got to make five or six applications that adds up and so all that stuff that we don't have good data on that that we really, I'm not trying to stop them from using it, but it's just cautioning them that that 20 or $30 an acre could have been an irrigation or two, or it could have been your first fungicide spray or part of your herbicide you yeah. know, group. And, right. and I well, think we got to be spent, more cautious spent about on that. things we know are going to work. Yeah. We know we're going to do that. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, we, we kind of sit around our office and talk about that all the time. How can we enlighten the, you know, people's idea of what that budget is as they're going through the season, not just at the end. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, no, I think that's, yeah, you're, you're, you're always cognizant of, of and trying to make decisions on, minimizing the cost but maximizing the return you know and that's what's so valuable about what y'all do is you provide more information to make those decisions and what what's the probability of it paying off or not working or, or not paying off so right based on based on research and it goes back to the the production guy that you were talking about that has a lot of research behind it that you have confidence and these are the ways to maximize uh, maximize your yield or maximize uh, profit. You know, and that's that's one of the things that I kind of, <clears throat> I kind of, you know, we have Amanda, we had you, you know, do a lot of the production meetings, and then she presents the budgets and stuff. And sometimes I do feel bad because a lot of people look at those and what she presents and said, that can't be right. But they got to remember that it is just a snapshot, and they've got to do their due diligence and go on there and change stuff for what their farm is doing. And I think you won't get a clear picture until you do that. Um, and so I, I really, yeah, those were know, those things were never meant to say this is exactly what it costs to grow peanuts or corn or soybeans. But this is a guideline for you to fill in with your numbers. That's right, so that you can know what it costs you because. It costs Scott Mumford maybe different than it costs Mark Abney or Eric Prosco or Nathan Smith. Everybody's not going to have the same number. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, the um, 
I don't know. I mean, that, and that's the thing we, we keep telling them every year is that you need to use this and try to try to adapt it into your program so that you can at least just keep track of it. Um, and, and some of them do. I mean, I'd say probably a lot of them do keep better track than others, but uh, you know, a lot of this just kind of worries us when we're just, we're trying to keep everything as economical as we can in our recommendations and what work and, and um, we just want the growers to know that if they do have an issue or do have a question about a new product or whether or not something needs to be put out this way, I mean, we're just a phone call away. So definitely don't mind doing that. We've got, we've got now that we've got, what, a couple of groups of growers that will actually call us and, and say, hey, why don't you come and eat supper with us, you know, every once in a while and just sit around and talk and and go through a bunch of stuff and and throw us, you know, kind of like um, <laughs> what you used to see in high school where people have a little food fight, throw it on, take the, the pickles and stuff and throw it on the wall and see if they stick. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we're doing. We're taking a lot of ideas, throwing them out and see what, what works and what doesn't. Um, kind of a weird little thing I brought up there. but Yeah, we wouldn't have gotten in trouble in high school if we threw the pickles on the wall. In fact, I think we might have. Well, I never gave that part of the story, but still, <laughs> uh, it happens. Uh, it did happen once or twice, and um, I was not always the instigator. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, well, the, well, the thing that has always been interesting to me is when we visit with growers is how different each one of them approaches how they grow the crop. That's right. And for me, it's always, whenever I'm going, I'm always asking them questions about their production and then trying to store that in my getting older feeble mind and then how does that equate to what we're doing in weeds or and then when i go down to the next form how is that different and i'm trying to figure out you know it's a it's a difficult situation because every not difficult but everybody's doing something different so um it's interesting how, how growers are so different in the way they manage yeah and and we do not approach that as we know everything either you know because we don't we um but we're willing to get out there and work with you. And so I would throw that out there to the growers that are listening. You know, again, we're going to be coming around to your counties here soon uh, to present data that we have or to, you know, recommendations, changes, whatever it might be that we think that are important. But feel free at this time. And I, I know a lot of people do, do not like to raise their hand, do not like to talk during the meeting. But please catch us by the, you know, when we get done come up and grab us and say, hey, I got an issue I want to talk about or throw something out to us, an idea that we need to look at. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of products floating out there that, um, that we have not looked at yet. Um, and, and if you do, if you're trying those products, hey, let us know what they are and let us, let us try to incorporate that in, in, some, in some of what we're doing. We'll be glad to do that. Um, so, but, um, well, guys, if... We're, we're kind of getting long in the tooth here. Is uh, anything else well, I, y'all want to ask Nathan while we got him? Or or did you want to just bring up? Well, I was just going to bring up a couple of things. You know, we're, for the growers out there that might be listening, we're in the process of doing some agent trainings. We just did a weed science training this week, and next week is a peanut training. And so we're, as our role with specialists is try to make sure your county agents have all the information they need to help you. And we've had a sort of a turnover over the years, right? We sort of have a younger crop of agents out there in some counties. 
And so we're trying to get those folks up to speed as fast as possible and hoping you'll continue to utilize your county agent as their first point of contact or at least one of your points of contact as you're trying to get information. But uh, we're doing all that prior to the new year. And then once the new year rolls around, you've probably got the opportunity to go to at least 150 <laughs> extension meetings, yeah, depending yeah. on uh, the crops you grow. And, um, and so there's opportunity there to get more new information right, uh, right. at your fingertips. Gotta, and we still, go. we still love those meetings, those one-on-one meetings. Uh, we get a lot out of those. You know, we bring a lot of information, but we also try to get some while we're there from the growers. Um, and so please, hey, even if it's something about topics about this podcast, we're going to mm-hmm. continue doing that. We want we want this to be an avenue of information uh, where we can better explain maybe some of our recommendations, better explain what's going on. So if you have some topics, bring them to us. Uh, let's talk about those, and uh, we'll definitely put them on and um, try to do what we can. Now, Nathan uh, Charles, longtime agent there in South Carolina, is finally retiring for the second time. Is that correct? Charles Davis, yes. he's uh, He has uh, announced his, his retirement um, at, at the end of this year, basically. So. Well, <clears throat> He and is in Calhoun uh, County. Uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, uh, one of our our, our senior agents uh, in the agronomy team and in, in, in the state. And uh, it'll, that will be uh, shoes that will be very hard to fill. Yeah, so we congrats. Well, we congratulate him and and wish him the best in retirement. No doubt. Um, and I brought that up because he, he helped me out a tremendous amount when I was at, at Clemson and just a, just a wealth of knowledge and just a great human being. That's, that's uh, just trying to serve the growers in his area. So uh, glad that he is uh, going to get to retire and go enjoy himself a little bit, maybe. Uh, might be like the rest of us, just likes to work. But, but nevertheless, uh, if you see him, let him know that we're wishing him the best. Um, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to be able to make that that retirement party, but uh, definitely want to let him know that we're thinking about him. For sure. Now I'll, I'll pass that along when I see him. Okay. Um, Abney, Prosco, any other ending remarks? I'm going to go another uh, totally uh, well, it's related, but it's not related. Okay. You guys are sitting in a room. You notice if you look at my face, I got a couple of things going on. I just want to remind everybody, I have had some skin cancer issues in my career because I've spent my entire life working outside. So I'm just going to encourage farmers to think about that a little bit and uh, go get checked. Go get checked. I get checked every twice a year. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, when you're in the office. With, Unless you go to Valdosta. Right I, I I just, I'll that's, put in another plug for my <laughs> dermatologist here. I'm not going to say anything else other than down, that. I'm I just put get, in a plug for my dermatologist. Those, I was not uncomfortable. You, you don't want to get Mark and Scott's going down that road. That's a whole other issue. But as a person that has to deal with some of those issues and had to deal with a sort of a big one, and then uh, I'm just encouraging you to don't take that lightly because um, – that can sneak up on you. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we're all getting to that point. 
you know, at least I still have a lot of hair. Yeah. You're losing a lot of yours. So you the sun gets down to the head. I'm not losing any hair. I got a good crop of hair for almost 60-year-old. Well, I reckon you do. Oh, poor Abby. You got more than me. <laughs> so, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, and a lot of people don't like to hear the whole sunscreen thing, but I, I've gotten where I do that at long-sleeve shirts every once in a while. Yeah, I, I changed the I, – I, I had melanoma on my back, and that scared the crap out of me. And I changed a lot of what I, you know, wearing short sleeve shirts and not putting on sunscreen and things like that. It's changed my approach to my, because I'm, I'm outside every day. We're all outside oh, yeah. every yeah. day for probably at least six to, you know, maybe 10 hours. It just depends right. on the day. Right. And so uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, uh, the, um, you know, and the last thing probably is just, you know, I'm, I think we're all very blessed in what we do. Uh, we want to wish everybody a happy holiday. That's the, that's the biggest thing here. Nathan, you the same way. Hope you and your family have a good holiday. Thank you. Same to y'all. Happy and, holidays, uh, everybody, and hope you have a safe and safe uh, time. And I've, I'm, it's been a pleasure to, to join y'all today, and I, I really appreciate what y'all do. I've listened to us and the information you provide. been listening through some of the season. And uh, so, uh, and I'm I'm honored to be at the last podcast of the year. Hey, we say the best for last. As long as, as long as it's not the last one forever. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not. No, it's um, we done invested the effort into this. We're going to try to keep it rolling, and and I think it is a good avenue for information out to get out there and uh, share share this with your your colleagues, share this with your neighbors if you're a grower. Um, hey, you can you can do a lot of listening while you're in the truck or in the cab of a tractor. So try to um, at least just get to know us. How about that? That that's one thing. Uh, it gives you a chance to know that we are just like you. Every one of us, just like you. And so we're here to serve you and try to do what we can to help. Um, please ask us some questions. Send some feedback. Uh, we are at episode fifty four, and it's all about the pod. Except for sometimes we we jump off and talk about other things, but it's all about the pod today, and we do appreciate you being here. Uh, this will go up this Friday, and um, we'll see you at the first of the year. Thank you. <laughs>